uh, Bill, this uh, first beer I'm drinking has 7.3% alcohol in it. If I fall asleep halfway through, it's not because our guests are boring. It's because I cannot drink at all. <laughs> and I might fall asleep. Well, <laughs> it's got a kick. <laughs> all right. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> We have a big show for you tonight. We've got the Rugby Breakdowns. Jackie Finland joins us in a few minutes to discuss the WPL, USA Women's Rugby, and much more. And then later in the show, we've got Paul Tate of America's Rugby News South America joining us from Sao Paulo, Brazil, to talk about the Rugby World Cup, Tier 2 Nations, and much more as well. So stay tuned to that. If you are not already following us, please do so at Eagles Overseas and Rugby Morning to get updates on future shows and news about USA Rugby, Major League Rugby, and much, much more. I am Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas, and my co-host is Rugby Morning's John Fitzpatrick. Hey, Fitzy. Hey, Bill. Good evening. What's going on? Well, uh, a lot. Well, not really a lot. I'm just... <laughs> I want to sound important, so, uh, you know, how are you doing? I'm great. I had a, a youth baseball practice earlier that we helped uh, coach. Team's looking good, so, you know, just knocked off beer number one. Kids are asleep. It's it's gravy from this point on tonight. Nice, nice. Are you still going with the, uh, you know, the, the scotch on the on the tongue for the kids to get them to sleep, or is that ever a thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you... Look, I, apparently they used to do that back in the day, and we should bring it back yes. because kids are soft these days. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> is, that, is that why? <laughs> nice. Well, listen, uh, I, we, we're going to get to our first guest here in a minute or so, but we're kicking off a new segment, all right? We haven't introduced a new segment in a while yet, okay? And I feel like we've been neglecting the most important part of the happy hour part of our I show, know. the name. That would be beer or some kind of alcohol. So... <laughs> This new segment is that too. So I'm going to start off. Um, hopefully, show, especially the nighttime shows, possibly not the daytime shows. Uh, Fitzy and I are going to introduce <laughs> one new beer. That's it. It's not a drinking game. This isn't a drinking show. It's just we're going to have a drink. So I'm going to kick it off. Uh, I am drinking a, a really fine double IPA from Modest Man Brewing out of Keene, New Hampshire. Okay, it's it's called Panic in Babylon. I love the names of these beers, right? And I got you topped. You already told me mine is eight and a half percent alcohol. Uh, I'm on my fifth in the last hour, so I'll be in the floor no. in five minutes. Our guests will be doing the show by themselves. Uh, Panic in Babylon is made with Citra and Nelson Savine hops, and is described as I have to. I actually have to read the description because it's really cool. Sauvignon Blanc grapes, peach gummies, ripe citrus, subtle dankness, and pillowy mouthfeel. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I don't know who comes up with this description, but I like it. Great stuff. Uh, you can find Modest Man in Keene, New Hampshire, like I mentioned, and then now in Portland, Maine as well. So if you're in the area, check them out, help them out. They, they put out some really good stuff. So that's mine. Fitzy, what do you got? Well, I love the name Panic in Babylon. That's a great name for a mm -hmm. beer. That's amazing. And very good. The beer that I'm drinking tonight, and I picked it out because I love the logo, and I don't know how they haven't been sued by Nike yet. The, the <laughs> brewing company is called Solus Brewing Company. They're based in Northern Virginia. I live in Washington, D.C. I'm drinking a pumpkin porter. I'm usually not a, a pumpkin fan, Ooh. considering it was 85 degrees in D.C. today, so it's certainly too hot for a fall <laughs> heavier beer, but I picked it out because the logo, if you can envision this, is the Headless Horseman, right from the Sleepy Hollow tale. Oh, yeah. So the Headless Horseman, he's holding up <clears throat> a pumpkin, and the name of the beer is called Air Gourded, like a gourd, like a pumpkin gourd. Oh, nice. It's hilarious. How they have not been sued yet by Nike or Air Jordan, because they seemingly <laughs> protect their IP no matter what. Like, it's a, it's a blatant ripoff. It's a very tasty beer. Brewed with spices, 7.3 alcohol by volume. It's, it is a pint, but uh, tasty. So, yeah, Air Gourded. All right. Well, hey, cheers to yeah. you. 
And and with that, let's get on to our first guest. She is an expert in girls and women's rugby here in the United States. Let's all please welcome the Rugby Breakdown's Jackie Finland. Hey, Jackie. Hi, Bill. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we didn't prepare you to have a drink. That's okay. We don't usually, even though we're called happy hour, we usually don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I must have so, sensed this new segment was coming because I did pregame. Oh. I, I had a glass of Hibiki uh, whiskey. Um, and it has nothing to do with my nerves about talking tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why we do it. <laughs> well, great. I haven't heard of that whiskey before. I have to check that out sometime. But um, yeah, that's that's awesome. Hey, what do we need to settle our nerves? That works for us. No, no judgment. <laughs> so in about 20 minutes, no one's going to talk to me. All right. <laughs> So, Jackie, before we dig into um, um, the, the theme of rugby as far as what we want to talk to you about tonight, for those who are not aware of you and your work, uh, tell us about, about yourself and the rugby breakdown. Sure. So I, like a lot of people, picked up rugby in college at the University of Arizona and then continued playing in New York and kind of just by chance discovered that there was such a thing as rugby journalism. Um, and this was 2005, started with Rugby Magazine, um, then started working with Alex Goff for a long time. And then in 2016, started the Rugby Breakdown, which is, as mentioned, girls and women's rugby only. And how has it been going? Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I think um, I started with the site as like, this is an experiment. I'm curious if people have an appetite for this. Um yeah. And the real way to test that is, you know, if people are willing to pay for it and people mm -hmm. pay for it. And so it's my full-time occupation. Um, and yeah, still going strong. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because it's, it's just, even going back to 2005, let's say, to make a living covering rugby in America, I was like, yeah, whatever. That's, you know, we got, we got a couple, Matt Godek Sports is selling sports gear or whatever else. <laughs> the rugby magazine where we were before, but yeah, come on, not in this country. So I applaud you. I think it's amazing. I think it's a very important not just for the women's game, but just rugby overall in America. So with that said, I mean, how on earth do you cover it all? There's so much. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's got to be a passion, obviously. It's why you guys are doing this. Um, so that's a major yeah. driver. But then you just have to be comfortable with not knowing everything yeah. um, and just always taking information as you get it and, you know, just being comfortable with that state of, uh, yeah, it, the, the work is never done. Yeah, true. And you've been at it for what, uh, I think you said 18, 19 years now going on. Is there anything about the women's game specifically here that maybe has changed or really stands out to you? Yeah, there's a, you know, a couple of big things. Um, some of the obvious ones are, you know, the NCAA varsity space. That's, uh, you know, kind of a crown jewel oh, yeah. there. Honestly, I miss and I haven't cataloged it, but I miss just having a lot more USA age grade and women's games in the States, I feel like, I mean, that was something when I was with Rugby Magazine at the late Ed Haggerty really prioritized. And so I always, always got to see in person people who are coming up the pipe. And I, I really miss that. And um, I mean, I hope it's something that's changing. We know money's coming into the country and uh, I wouldn't mind just seeing more more games at home. Jackie, I think that's, that is all, all of us, just anyone who's a fan of USA Rugby, both men's and, and women's Eagles. One of the things that I wanted to, to jump to in just terms of changes is talking about the WPL, uh, the Women's Premier League. How, I guess maybe, how would you rate the competition this year? Now that we have the full season behind us, I feel like I've come to expect these really tight contests and like single digit decisions and like, cause that's just what they delivered all year. Maybe that should have been an expectation to begin with, but like it totally delivered. 
in that sense, I think it's great that players have had to like live and grow in that space of like constant pressure. I mean, and like that's a skill. So regardless of the level, like they're definitely educating players. And, you know, I feel like as an audience, we're, we're totally primed and like expecting like as the semifinals are coming on for just really competitive, fun games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and talk a little bit about some of the standout players from this season or, or who we should look out for. I know there's been a, uh, a couple of players that, that jumped up and made the, um, the roster for the match against Wales this last weekend. But in your mind, who are some of the players that have really stood out uh, during the regular season? Yeah, so I'm fortunate. I'm based in Oakland, California. So there are two WPL teams here. And so I get to see potentially, um, if I didn't have a life outside rugby, to see each team twice in person and I gotta say like it's almost like an education every time Um, like you watch people on live streams like you interview them like you listen to coach feedback and then you see them in person and it's just like you're reminded like how great these players are so I've had that experience with a few players one I really like is Tessa Han with the Colorado Grey Wolves she came out of Quinnipiac and I've interviewed her before and her like coaches have talked so highly about her and then I was on the sideline and I got to just hear like her game chat and the way she like fired up her team and like she's a phenomenal flanker I just loved her presence on the field so I really like her New York Jetta Owens, she's, you know, an established, she's an entity that everybody knows. Um, Same thing. She is like hyping everybody up. She's just got that great energy. She's the type of person. and, And, you know, there's these people on every single team that when you're watching the game, like you're getting excited about it. Um, they, you know, she has a way to kind of get into the audience and get them excited. Well, quickly, uh-huh. what's interesting? What's interesting about Jetta Owens is a personal connection there. Her dad was my high school wrestling coach. Very cool. Yeah, and he was he played rugby. He played at uh, Rocky Gorge, a local uh, men's club in the kind of the DC Baltimore area. Uh, yeah, and Jetta went to Virginia Tech and started playing rugby there because I think he was a pretty good soccer player growing up. But um, I got to hang out with them a little bit um, at the, the Premier Rugby Sevens Championship in, in D.C. Um, and get to see her play. And she's going to try right in front of us. Cool. <laughs> she did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think another call out, they're not in the semifinals, but they were a contender. And they did play just really fun, like kind of unstructured rugby at times. But Life West, uh, the Fijian international Miri Marawa, Uh, She played both scrum half and wing this season, and she was just like fireworks in a bottle. Like every time she got the ball, like everybody kind of got up on their toes. You know, what is she going to do this time? Uh, she She was a lot of fun to watch season we've got the playoffs starting this weekend on saturday semifinals right the all blues number one seed against the four seed bean town uh, bill's hometown team uh, and then the gray wolves yeah, two seed versus the three seed new york is the championship all blues to lose that run yeah i would say that the <laughs> i mean the pressure is on them certainly not just because they're national reigning national champions because they went through this season undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously have the benefit of home field advantage, which can't be understated. But I think what's kind of cool about the All Blues is like they didn't skate through this uh, season. They, you know, they've trailed, they've had to come back, they've had to win on the final, you know, play of the game. So they've been tested and they've learned how to win. And I think that's a really valuable skill. So yeah, I think, you know, pressure's on them, but they've dealt with pressure all season 
uh, which is a credit to the opposition. But Jackie, how how will the loss of you know, like the playoff teams, international players, you know, on international duty now factor in that team's success? And, and I know asking that, I know many of those players weren't with them in the final round anyway. Even when Beantown got beat up by Berkeley all Blues, but is there an impact losing these players for these teams? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, obviously the team that's taking the biggest hit is Beantown. They're losing four of their superstars, like, in the pack. Mm. So that's, like, um, that's significant. And they had a bit of a runway there to know that, I mean, not much. But, uh, you know, Beantown played at Berkeley two weeks ago. And I was actually very curious to see what kind of their... I guess their goals were for this team and they used that game one of their goals like to just blood talent they put all this these young forwards out there and man if they didn't use that opportunity to just ball out you know i'm not saying that that's like a recipe to you know win but it makes me think of that like minor league pitcher who gets pulled up and is kind of just this wild card for (laughs) a season as everyone's trying to figure out his stuff so beantown will be hit but that's not to say, you know, they're out. I want to pronounce this right, but uh, Jackie is the All Star Game. Uh, uh, you know, the WPL All Stars are playing on November 11th against a New Zealand side. Oh, please pronounce the name of that team for us. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you were going to bite that bullet. Um, P. Tai Tokarau. That works for us. Okay. (laughs) So they're playing uh, the All Blues and a a California Roots team as well. Can you talk? Do you know much about that tour? Uh, And is this actually, and forgive us, is this actually something new for the WPL? The WPL All-Stars aren't new. They've been running out since 2017. Like the competition and like, I guess their purpose has altered over the years. So I think this is the first time they're hosting an international team that is like coming out to play them. But yeah, I guess uh, I just talked to Hannah Stolba, Stolba and Allie Gilbert kind of on the genesis of this opportunity. And it started with Berkeley going on tour, like the way that all things <laughs> work out yeah. in rugby. They went on tour, they made friends, they enjoyed the experience. And then, you know, this, this select team, uh, regional team was like, well, we want to come tour too. So Berkeley is happy to host. Stolba was like, well, what's the best like competition we could possibly give you it's probably the wpl all-stars that's very cool jackie i want to transition and and move over to talk a little bit about college rugby and and let me know if i'm off base here but this is across both men's and women's but maybe just the college rugby confusion and what i mean by that (laughs) we've got at least on the women's side we've got what cra ncr and um nira right are we heading in the direction where it's better for the sport if there is consolidation? Just because it seems a little confusing. Yeah, I think consolidation is probably in our best interest, if not one for, you know, the sake of your intro. Like, it's just confusing. Um, and you've seen some of that consolidation, at least between NCR and CRAA uh, this season. Um, pretty much all of CRA D2 that plays in the fall has moved over to NCR. I think there is some contention there, but I think with all things, it just needs a little bit of time, maybe turnover of leadership. But I think maybe where the division might be looking ahead is like that seasonality mm-hmm. piece. Because, you know, some teams will never play fall 15s. And so they, you know, that's, I think like that's the space that needs a little bit of attention. Yeah, can we, can we dig on that a little deeper? Like, 
I guess I'd ask why. Like, why, why, why isn't there a fall? Why aren't college women's programs playing fall 15s? It seems like the the season for 15s is the fall, right? And spring is sevens, more sevens. But it... yeah, I think you, should, you know, I think if you have a good thing, it's hard to give up. You need a real convincing reason to give it up. So if you could spend your entire fall preparing, recruiting, and targeting January to really hit your stride, like, I think all of us would do that. It's just, you know, weather-wise, that's that's impossible mm. for a lot of the country. Yeah, so, yeah, I think they would. those teams would need a really compelling reason. Now, you know, California, where I am, Florida, they need to push. Mm. So currently right now, there are, what, 28 varsity programs inching closer to that, you know, important number of of 40, but for, for the listeners, what happens when there are 40 varsity women's rugby programs? What what does that basically mean for the sport or what happens when we do hit that 40 spot? So when you hit 40, then you're eligible to like apply for NCAA championship status. So it doesn't mean you don't hit 40 and then you're immediately um, you get your own NCAA championship. But you know, that's the first thing you got to tick. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why the focus is is on that number right now. Got it, got it. You mentioned earlier about some programs maybe having difficulties with fall 15 sides. And you mentioned maybe weather, that issue. So, you know, for example, up near me, Castle State in, in Vermont, uh, with a relatively, a, a very new varsity program, they, they've been having difficulties fielding players for 15 side and really no full-time head coach in that program. And I don't think that's uh, an issue with weather. It's just, I guess, hard for them to get the quality players to pull together aside. Is that an anomaly for them, or is that something that other programs are going through as well? No, it's definitely not an enigma. Um, I mean, Division Three and those teams that are in like the provisional space, like the new mm-hmm. and developing programs who are just trying to build some momentum and likely playing sevens, they're a bit vulnerable. They It really depends on their level of athletic department support. You know, it's hard to recruit for a D3 school. Like, yeah. you, it's almost like that student, that rugby player, like, needs to want to go to that school for academics first. You know, that's, like, a, a top choice for academics. And then they also play rugby. Um, I think out of the, that D3 sphere, like, Bowdoin does the best job and they might recruit five players. Uh, I mean, five quality players, but right. you know they're not getting the incoming classes that the D1, D2 teams are getting. So it's by no means, um, you know, a, a unique situation that Castleton's facing. What about high school rugby as well? High school girls rugby specifically. Where are the hotbeds right now in the country? You know, again, I've, I'm here at Massachusetts. Um, just recently was recognized as the varsity sport a few years ago. I'm not too aware. Uh, not too aware of many. Uh, girls programs are definitely boys programs here but talk about those the hotbed regions of this country where high school rugby for girls is taking off yeah i mean i'm like i said i'm in i'm in norcal so this is a pretty fun place to be um right now though uh the only areas that are playing 15s at this time of year is um are wisconsin and michigan so, I mean, that kind of streamlines your focus a little bit. Everybody else is playing sevens, which is great, you know, but maybe you check in closer to, to championship time. I mean, there are a couple of states that have got really great structure and you can check in and, you know, the teams that are playing, you have contact information, you have scores. And as you know, that is such a like, that's just, you know, like a unicorn in terms of like any level <laughs> of the game. 
Um, so Iowa does it well. Uh, you know, Wisconsin does it well. Um, uh, I, I like the Massachusetts league. Like all those coaches um, are mm-hmm. like really pumping out great players and you're really seeing them in that Northeast corridor too um, in the NCAA space. So good right. on you, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Has nothing to do with me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go to our first listeners, our, our old friend David from Scrum of the Earth. Hey, David. Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm so sorry I'm late to the to the game here. Just uh, putting the, the boy to bed and jumped on as soon as I could. I hope I didn't miss too much. Um, Jackie, thank you. No worries, go on. Jackie, thanks so much for doing this. It, it, it's always great, and I'm a big fan of yours and what you do. And uh, uh, if you don't mind, I have a, a like a mini bundle of questions for you here. <laughs> <laughs> They're all kind of they're, they're kind of related. Part the, the, <laughs> one is, you know, what's per, personally? What's your level of excitement about the WXV? And as sort of follow-ups for that, which nations is this competition going to be for? Who's going to get the which program is going to get the most out of it? And then the flip side of that is obviously like what nation might you know not do so well because of what nation might it not be for? And the, the final bit is how big an advantage is South Africa to have a you know an inaugural home tournament here? Like everyone has them, it's going to be huge for them, right? Yeah. Let me preface that um, I do focus on you know U.S. game and U.S. teams and players, sure. so I can certainly comment on the WXV uh, tier two, but I have only I guess surface level knowledge of all the other teams participating sure. in the WXB. But I am very excited to see the U.S. in South Africa just because it is this block of three games. So, you know, you take single games, you compare them to other single games, you know, you wonder what you've lost or gained. But when you can compare performances back to back to back, like it's a lot easier to point to improvements, deficiencies, standouts, you know, and Plus, this is, you know, the first, you know, this will be the first block for the new interim head coach, which is, you know, just a, you know, a whole, whole other factor to kind of deal with. So um, I'm very excited for this, this, this tournament. Sorry, what was I'm the, sorry, the, uh, I was just wondering, like, <laughs> what nations are going to come out the best at this, We're just for this experience? Well, it's going to benefit us a lot. I feel like the the U.S. women are going to. This is really good for them to have a tournament like this. Uh, but you know, what nations do you see sort of getting the most out of this new competition? Yeah, well, that's what I think is the beauty of this tournament. Everybody's kind of blocked in like strength groups. Ideally, everybody is you know getting similar or like relatively the same benefits out of this. Like they're hopefully aren't going to be any blowouts you know there aren't going to be any demoralizing losses um so as you know maybe that's not really an answer but i think really everybody is set up to to get the most out of this competition and uh, the flip side of that of course was like are there any nations that this will be bad for i guess is what i was asking like (laughs) the 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 Samoa women traveling to South Africa for this, like if they come out winless, um, is that bad for their program or is just the experience going to be good anyway? And and thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'll hang up now. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks, David. I don't think anyone is looking at the 
this as you know a negative it's an opportunity and i don't think you'll run into any women's national team across the world that is saying like we have too many fixtures we have too many opponents we don't know where to fit this in in our schedule so i mean yeah maybe losses will be tough um but i think you know everybody's gonna chalk it up to experience and just hitting the ground more and that's a great transition, David. I appreciate that. Getting into Women's Eagles now, right now and, and the WXV2 uh, competition. Just got a couple more minutes left with, with you, Jackie. So the first loss to Wales last weekend, uh, our first loss, 38-18 in rainy conditions, certainly not the result the team wanted ahead of this competition. Uh, are we going in the right direction? Or should I say, is it maybe the other nations are investing in their women's program better than the USA is right now and they're catching up and getting better? Yeah, I would say the latter. I mean, you look like every day something comes across the screen, like, you know, more contracts, more, more residents, you know, um, you're just kind of watching the rest of the world invest. And maybe that's coming for us. I'm hoping that's coming for us because we've heard all this, you know, news about investment from above. Yeah, I don't think it's it's an internal issue so much as everybody mm. else is putting the money where it belongs. We said it starts in South Africa next weekend. Uh, first game against Samoa. Now, are these, like just feeding off that last question, are these must-wins for USA? I think it would be great to build some momentum off some wins. I don't know if they're in that space, you, you know, where it w- would mean everything, but who couldn't, you know... Who doesn't want to win and especially know. you know with a new coach right now like started on a good foot build from like really build from there um so yes i guess they are miss must wins <laughs> yeah jackie real quickly on that on that last bit there you know new interim head coach milton Hague. it seems like what that's the what third coach in the last 18 months give or take and you know i think he was offered something like a seven-week contract i could have that information wrong but i can't imagine that's great for the stability of the program if we're constantly looking for another head coach right i i don't think so (laughs) i think um what it does it it just kind of internally enforces the you know the player groups and the bonds that they have like they you know they realize like you know they've got to rely on each other you know maybe coaches come and go maybe they'll be great they won't they need to make sure that they're good Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry, I don't actually have any insight into um, the new head coach yet. Hopefully, after tour. Yeah. Well, and maybe just follow up. Not necessarily on on the current head coach, but you know, uh, on the men's evil side, there was always that dilemma, right? Do we do we look overseas? Are there good, strong domestic coaches that could could step in? And I guess just on on the, on the women's side, domestic coaches here in the U.S., either men or women, like there's there's got to be some in the pipeline that are coming up, right? And you know. Who are some of those coaches, right? Are they in the WPL? Are they coaching the, the women's college game? Who are some of these coaches maybe that we should just be aware of as a USA rugby fan? Yeah, I mean, I think they're in the WPL. Honestly, like, I wonder why they haven't been called up yet. Um, I think there is some conflict with those that have full-time jobs at colleges. You know, they can't leave those. And that's, I think, a big reason why some of them aren't on tour now. But yeah, there's definitely coaches, I think, in the WPL that could put their hand up. I don't know. It Maybe it comes down to their own personal situations or where they want to be. But I think we have candidates for sure. Well, to steal this from our, our listener a minute ago, 
Uh, he said Eddie Jones should be available soon. So we can. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackie, uh, before we let you go, for our listeners, how can they find you and your work? So the website is therugbybreakdown.com, and I'm probably most active on Instagram, so also at therugbybreakdown.com. Well, check out the Rugby Breakdown on Instagram mostly and uh, check out Jackie's work. She's doing amazing work over there. Jackie, uh, thank you so much for your time. And we do look forward to seeing more of your stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. And by the way, I did just see the text you sent me three minutes before the show. So I'm sorry. I apologize for not seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get on. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Jackie, thanks so much. And we'll talk, talk again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listener, we really appreciate you tuning in to these replays of Twitter Spaces U.S. Rugby Happy Hour Live. That was just the first half of the show. Be sure to check out the second half and previous shows here on your favorite podcast player. Also, please like, subscribe, or follow, and leave us a five-star review that helps get these shows in front of more and more listeners. Now, what are you waiting for? Go check out the other shows.